0: Alright, everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Money Barrel. Due to some family matters, Kayla and I had canceled any plans for an episode this week. But at the last minute, our partners at Equine Network swooped in to save the day. Casey Allen, the host of The Breakaway Breakdown, happened to be at the Panty Raid Fraternity and got a chance to catch up with one of our most requested guests, Leslie Willis, fresh off her big win in Springfield, Ohio. Before we get started, this week's episode is brought to you by Magic Cushion. Don't let this ride stop your next. Magic Cushion quickly reduces hoof heat and soreness while providing cushioning relief. And it works for up to 24 hours so your horse stays comfortable every day. Learn more about Magic Cushion at absorbing.com. That's Absorbine.com. That's a b s o r b i n e.com. All right, Casey, thanks for filling in. Leslie, you're up. This is The Money Girl.
1: guys, I'm here with Leslie Willis at the Panty Raid for Charity in Springfield, Ohio, and she is hot off a win. Congratulations today, Leslie. Thank you so much. It's been a fun weekend. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get into everything that happened this weekend, I want to give Leslie a chance to introduce herself. So, Leslie, I know you. I've grown up idolizing you and watching you run. Um, just tell everybody kind of how you got started in barrel racing and what your background is. Well, I'm from Chester, South Carolina, and, of course, as a kid,
2: couldn't wait to get out of South Carolina, and I'm still located there. But my parents and I, we showed pleasure horses and halter horses when I was a kid growing up, and then I decided that getting dressed up, and if the judge didn't like me, then, you know. So the barrel racing thing was a lot more fun. It was, you know, didn't compete against a judge's eye. You competed against the clock. So I had every barrel pony or everything that I rode knew how to run the barrels so and then as I got into high school we high school rodeo uh, I ran barrels, poles, roped and goat tied and actually I was a better roper and goat tire than I was a barrel racer back then I struggled with the barrels and the poles and then my senior year or actually my junior year I bought a really nice um, horse that helped me get to the finals and um, showed me that it was it was fun to have a nice horse that could go run the barrels
1: I gotcha. And then now you used to be more rodeo heavy than futurity heavy, but most people know you as a trainer now, correct? Correct.
2: I, uh, when I graduated high school and went to college, I, my two, I had two horses. Um, actually, I took him to more rodeos as a four-year-old than I did. I took him to one futurity at the end of the year and got second at the futurity. But it was I was more rodeo driven. Every horse that I had you know, went to the rodeos, and then I met Jason, who was a trainer, who rode for Horses, and then when we started dating, it was easier for us to kind of go in the same direction. So we both were training horses, and he traded a lot of horses, and kind of helped me get my feet wet as far as with the young horses, and as far as, like, I was bad to give one a chance all the way to the end, and he would say, "Hey, that that one's not going to cut it as a futurity horse doesn't mean it won't make an open horse, but you, you got to get it out of your program and move on. So he was one that kind of showed me how to go ahead and say, "Ride this one, sell this one, ride this one, sell this one." Um, where I was once you bought them, you you made them and you kept them till they made. so uh, it's been a, a lot different from his eyes, you know um, like I said, he trained and rode. A lot of people don't realize that as well.
1: That's awesome. And, I mean, you guys are like the dynamic duo. I've been watching you all weekend. You guys do such a good job of supporting each other, and kind of he helps out so much. Um, So what do you think was the first kind of big time for charity horse that you had that people would have kind of recognized?
2: There were several – I actually kinda of laugh about it. I guess the first horse that I had was uh he was actually a registered app, but he was secret about it. He was a big bay guild and he got third at Fort Smith in two thousand. Um, and he was one that in March I went I was I called the owner to come get him. I was like, Come get him, he's not working for me, maybe your other trainers will do good with him and um, that week I changed him to the left, changed his headgear and we were headed to a little small fraternity which is where they were gonna pick him up and then when we got down there I said, This colt needs to be entered. And they laughed at me. I'm like, no, I'm serious. He needs to be entered. And he placed it at that fraternity and placed everywhere else we went. So I would have to say um, Crimson Truckle was probably the first one um, in 2000. And then there were several several more that um, came along after him that just, you know, were nice horses. And then in 2005, we won the BFA World for the year-end, um, playing with effort. And that kind of, to me, once I did that, I was like, I, I, you know, I do belong in this sport. It, it kind of, you know, you have one, you have two fraternity horses, and you're not quite sure if you, if you are a trainer or if you just got lucky and got the right horses. So, um, you know, and each horse teaches you something different. I mean, I, talk, I laugh about it all the time. I said, I'm gonna retire the day I quit learning <laughs> because I'm telling you, you learn something new every year, every horse, everything you know, changes things. Um, we started nine three year olds last month.
1: Oh, wow. And then
2: there are four, four year olds that'll be run as five year olds. So we've got our hands full at home right now. So, um, it, each horse, like I said, is, is different and unique in its own way.
1: I gotcha. So when did you start to figure out kind of what bloodlines worked for you and your training style with your program?
2: Well, we were always fortunate that We always, I always enjoy going to the racetrack. So going to the racetrack, we know a lot of the race trainers there. And it was just, you know, if they didn't make us as a race horse and could be purchased cheaper, that's the route Jason and I went because we could go buy nice bred horses, um, maybe that nobody knew about just yet for, you know, cheap money. And so we would take them home and we were, we always dealt on numbers. So, you know, I could start 12, cheaper horses instead of five more expensive horses. So each, I still don't know that the bloodlines, I mean, there are my there's some favorite bloodlines like your Traceace, your Fury of the Winds, um, that have been really, really good to me, but that doesn't mean that there's not something else out there that won't work for me. Um, I have found that a horse that's bred that way that maybe didn't go to the racetrack, maybe doesn't suit me as well either that them knowing how to go down the racetrack suits me because I sit still in the saddle. I, I like a horse that runs real free, and all I have to do is pull that inside rein and teach them to turn around. A horse that's a more of a push-style horse, I struggle with because that's just not my style. And Jordan Briggs and, and Brittany and myself all sat around one night, and we we're talking about what suits them, what suits me. And I've never really thought about it as far as... I do have a preference on what I like to ride. And, you know, the racehorses to me, they suit me. And they're, you know, a lot of people talk about the racehorses as being very hot and very, um, you know, on the muscle. But I mean, my, the ones that I ride that I do well with ride just as quiet as the next horse.
1: I feel like with your training program, you do a lot of things to really keep their mind as young as you're pushing them. I mean, classically, you've won $300,000 slot races, and I believe you're the only trainer who's pulled that off, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. There are three BFA and, three BFA. Then, and four 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 hundred thousand. Okay. So, and that, to me, that, the slot races, you know, everybody talks about how do you prepare for them. You just get the colt ready, and if it's your day, it's your day, and if it's not your day, it's not your day. But the way I do that, and it's the way I kind of, I do everything, is do the best you can that day. And let things fall where they fall, and i 've been fortunate that
1: apologize for any background noise we might have, guys. there is a very energetic barrel race going on in the background
2: <laughs> so but I, I think you know to mentally prepare and not to psych yourself out is you just go do the best you can do that day, and when you really start worrying about how how to make your horse win or how to to outrun the next person then I think you get in trouble I think you just got to go make your run and and let things fall the way where they fall and that to me has kept me from because there's days I'm like okay I've done good the first round I've got to come back and do good the second round well then I psych myself out I'm like just go make a smooth run and and let things happen and Jason's always noticed like instead of giving me a bunch of advice before a run he says just go make a smooth run just go you know try not to Try not to overthink it, try not to, you know, there's there's certain things like at a rodeo where you ground's a little more, you know, if it's hard or you got a slick spot, then you have to focus on stuff like that. Where at the fraternities, the ground's pretty manicured and normally, you know, you've got good ground and you just kind of push the gas pedal and, and pull the inside rein and hope that everything works that day for you. So, um, but the best advice that can be given at a gate, sometimes I think I see parents give you gotta do this. You gotta do that. And, and to me, that you, your mind gets to, to thinking too much. It's easier just to go, go make a smooth run, and it'll it'll happen. It'll eventually happen. It may not happen that day, but it'll eventually happen. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, running three-year-olds, it, it can be hard to keep them together at a young age. So, what do you do to prepare those three-year-olds and four-year-olds for those big races and those high-pressure situations before the day of the race?
2: Well, we start. It's just like we took. Um, I think six three-year-olds to their first horse show the other day and the announcer was, they were playing music and there were um, some flags and some banners and it was, some of them were scared to death and some of them took it in stride. And really the ones that kind of take it in stride, even after 30 days of going around the barrels, I didn't take them to the horse show to see them clock. I took them to the horse show to see how they would handle the situation. And just because they can't handle the situation doesn't mean that they won't come on and make nicer horses or nice horses, they're just going to require a little more work than the ones that said, oh, no problem. That flag's not scary. This isn't scary. I, you know, and they would go lope three barrels. Those to me are the ones that mature the fastest and come December will probably be the ones that I put on the trailer just because they are mature and they're not scared. And the ones that were scared to death the first horse show, we'll probably make sure they go to several shows and give them a chance to mature. And they may be the three-year-old that we hold till it's five. Um, If it's a four-year-old coming five, he's gonna have to go. It's, you know, or not, he's gonna have to go to every jackpot is what I'm saying. Or, you know, find somebody that they have one horse, they're gonna haul him every time they go to the horse show that may be where that particular horse needs to be placed. So, And I tell people, too, I have two really well-bred horses that are trail-riding around a plantation in the lower part of the state because they did not want to be rare horses. So just because they don't make it in my program doesn't mean they can't find their spot in life. And I think when you find a horse's correct spot, you know, whether it's with me or whether it's with another jockey that runs barrels or whether it's trail riding down the trail. And I've even sold some horses to some English riders. When they find their right job, they do well at their right job. And I think that's sometimes where we try to, just because it's bred to be a great barrel horse doesn't mean it's going to be a great barrel horse.
1: And so, you know, what would you tell somebody that is showing up at a juvenile fraternity derby? Maybe it's their first time. There's trainers like you in the arena. It can be a really high-pressure environment. You know, what would you tell someone that's maybe feeling a little intimidated that's not as comfortable in that game?
2: That we've all been there. <laughs> we've we've all been there. We've all been, you know, we've all had our idols that we looked up to and we're all just normal humans and it's just like we were sitting around the the practice pen the other day and a colt messed up with a girl and and Chris Coffey and I said well, we've been there. We know that feeling and and now it used to bother us and now it's just you know, it's just another goof up and it happens. It happens to the best of the best and it happens to the person that we don't know. And it don't feel like you're alone in that situation. And you know, in those pressured situations, if you probably ask any of us, we'll be glad to help. You know, we're all just humans just like everybody else, so... um, And we all have to to train and start our horses um, just like you did at home.
1: Okay, so you said the Traceis, Fury of the Wind, those are some of the bloodlines you like of those kind of racetrack-type horses, and you've got a few of those on the trailer this weekend, correct?
2: Correct. The actually gunner I'm gunning for you is the combination of my two favorite breeds. So, and I actually sought him out at the racetrack. Copper Spring raised him. So he's a fury of the wind out of a daughter, Ace. And Copper Spring still owns his mother. So, uh, of course, when I I actually knew about his sister. I saw his sister when I went to Copper Spring, and she was just a weanling by her mom's side. So I was after him and after him and after him about buying that baby. And um, I finally got her bought. But then I found out about Gunner and I bought him sight unseen and had him shipped in from Louisiana. They had sold him to Todd Matt, and Todd, he didn't make the racehorse they wanted him to make, and Trey Ellis called me and said, hey, this colt's for sale, and I said, you give me five minutes, and I hung the phone up, called Jason, I said, call and buy this horse. I want him, because I wanted that that combination, and what's even more ironic is I bought him before three times the Fury ever hit the barrel pin. And she's the same cross. She's a Fury out of a daughter of Ace, And I think a month after I bought I'm Gunning For You, she won the slot race at Oklahoma City. Okay,
1: so they were siblings that you won the slot races on? No.
2: No. Atricia Aldridge owns three times the Fury. Okay. She's a Fury of the Wind out of a daughter of Ace. Okay. So there's not the same daughter, but a different daughter, yes.
1: Got it sorry about that so
2: but the cross i always thought the cross would be unique um i rode probably a hundred trace aces and um, that's what give me the money is is a trace ace and i always tell them you want them to kind of be bred as hot on the bottom side of the trace aces and you know they just have worked but fury's fury's mom dash and phoebe that family is phenomenal it's like I can, I, Dash and Phoebe, Phoebe Moonbug was her dam. I've rode, I don't know how many horses out of that family that have been great to me. Um, and so when I when I saw a Fury of the Wind at the Heritage Sale, which is a racehorse sale, I said, even though it's on the top side, let's try it. And um, Champion of the House was the first Fury of the Wind that I rode. And of course he went on and won the BFA year end. and. Um, won three fraternities that spring of the year and um, just just a neat horse and now he's out rodeoing with um, Alyssa Glass or Alyssa Riley now and um, which we we still pull for him and you know it's great to see him go on and have a career after the fraternity career and it was probably several years and then I bought several more I bought Ethel's Eyes as a yearling out of a daughter of Mr. Eye Opener. but her her dam's family joyous eyes was phenomenal so I wasn't quite I still wasn't quite sure was it fury or was it you know (laughs) I had one great one and then I had her but she was out of a great mare and then I I think we started, I think we counted the other day, there are 14 Fury of the Winds at the house. When he passed, Jason made a point to try to find every Fury of the Wind that he could find and bought them. And so um, we we have been fortunate to have several, and I'm actually breeding one of my mares back to him this year on a rebreed. So hopefully we'll get her in full this year. So we've got our fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really unique thing about your training program is how many horses you have that go on and win with other people. So how do you prepare those horses and prepare the buyers to get along? How do you just talk me through how you make those pairs?
2: Well normally you'll sit down and watch a a, the next person, how they ride, how they handle things and you know you you come to the house, you ride the horse. I, I, I struggle with people that don't want to come ride that's that's a, that's a hard to me it's easier for me to watch you ride my horse i can tell you how i tune my horse because when they're three and four years old i'm picky I, I don't want anybody on them i want my hands on their face and my hands only on their face um you know i even i i do have young girls that come through in the summer and stay with me some and i'll send them out in blope circles but that's you know they don't go around the barrels on them um and even like gunner. I don't think anybody's rode gunner since I started him as a three year old. Um, and I just, I get real picky about them. Um, so I, I think, and then when they come to try them, I can say, Hey, this has worked. This hasn't worked. And, and I'm, I'll try several different head gears. And I think too, like different head gears, like, i and, for a prime example i sold a trace a into a girl there in, in south carolina and she rides him with a little rope nose combination and she'll hand him to me to tune on him and i'm like i can't ride him with that bit but your hands and him fit that bit where my hands fit a whole different bit so i think sometimes where people make a mistake is they think they can't change something Front coming from a trainer when I think you do need to change. You need to make that horse and you mold and, and I'm not saying drastic changes, I'm saying minute changes, but you know, make make that horse be your horse. And, and if you're not comfortable with say an O-ring on it, put a little shank bit, but you know, call the trainer and say, hey, what do you think? You know, trying to get some feedback and you know, most trainers will help you out, especially if they care about the horse.
1: Yeah, because you guys want to go on, and like you said, even if they don't fit in your program, you still want the horse to be successful. Right.
2: I want the horse to have a great home. I want him to have his forever home. You know, sometimes my house is not their forever home. You know, sometimes my house is just the next stop to their forever home, and because I can't keep them all. And it, it would be easy for me to keep them all. I'd love to retire them all, and they, it, but then it becomes a retirement home instead of a training facility. <laughs> and I've had to learn that the hard way, too, because I've, I've sold a special horse just recently, and it was a little hard he won fort smith with me and i've had him since he was two years old and he was nine so i you know i felt like the time came and the right the right buyer came and some of those horses like that they're not for sale until the right buyer shows up Mm -hmm. and then when the right buyer shows up it's 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 the right time Mm -hmm. so um it we try to sell them while they're in their prime, and he was in the prime of his life. He's nine years old. So we're, we're excited and hope, hope the new, new owners do well with him.
0: We want to take a quick break to bring you a message from our sponsor, Magic Cushion. Magic Cushion's hoof packing is proven to provide fast, soothing relief for overworked, overheated hooves. Magic Cushion helps relieve symptoms associated with hoof concussion and trauma. It calms soles and frog inflammation and soreness, and it starts working to reduce hoof heat within one hour. Magic Cushion is trusted by top farriers, plus it uses natural ingredients. Magic Cushion can be used for hoof relief after training or competition, and it lasts for up to 24 hours. Magic Cushion can be packed under a shoe and pad and left in place through the shoeing cycle. For fast acting and long lasting hoof relief, choose Magic Cushion. Learn more about Magic Cushion at Absorbine.com, A-B-S-O-R-B-I-N-E.com.
1: So let's talk about one that you said will probably never be for sale, um, that you've been winning on for about a decade. That's Give Me the Money. Tell me the story on that horse, (laughs) (laughs) because I hear it's interesting. It it is an
2: interesting story, and we kind of giggle about it. we went to the heritage sale and i picked out a horse by the name of jay rye J. rye was an ivory james out of a daughter of um special phoebe which goes back to uh, or, or like phoebe which goes back to um dash and phoebe and phoebe moonbug so i picked this colt out because of his mama's breeding on the bottom side and decided to send him to the racetrack so the owner walked by that had him consigned to the sale and he had a scar on his back leg and i said is the scar just superficial or was there anything involved in that you know trying to decide whether to send him on for a career or take him home and try to make him a barrel horse um, and he said y'all are barrel, barrel racing people and we said yeah he said i have the best trace son ever three-year-old you know, we kind of laughed about it and, you know, never really pursued it until we got to Oklahoma City a month later and he clocked really fast in exhibitions. And then Jason called the guy and um, he, he said, I figured you'd be calling after the exhibition. <laughs> so sure enough, we, we ended up getting him bought. Um, it took us a little, some, you know, uh, I think Jason, he wanted one price and Jason finally got him top down to another price. So we ended up getting him bought. And I struggled with him. It, he was he was not my style. And and I think after going through that experience, it kind of helps me tell people, you know, when you buy a horse, give it six months. Give it a year. Because the first six months of our togetherness, I did not like him. I mean, and everybody knew that I didn't like him. Um, Jason even reminds me, you hated him. And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, I was tired of taking the ride. He He kind of took me for the ride, and there was just not a lot of, any guidance and sometimes there's still not much guidance but he's getting a little better so um, but then I actually I guess it was his five-year-old or six year old year I broke my foot and he was entered at the quarter horse Congress and he's the only one that I would go to the barn put my plastic bag over my boot and climb on and riding because I wasn't riding three-year-olds with a plastic boot on so and um, he he it's it's like we really molded during that time because I'd go to the barn, I would ride him, tune him, get him ready to go to the Court Horse Congress and actually rode him at the Court Horse Congress with a broke foot. And, wow. and um, we, ended <laughs> up, we, well, we ended up winning the um, the senior barrels up there, and should have um, made the super, the um, sweepstakes and I barely pulled the third barrel to run the fastest time ever. So, But ever since then, it's like that timing It was almost like me breaking my foot and me putting in a lot of time just with him. We molded and we became a team. And there's, I mean, we still have some rough patches, but when he's sound and happy, he's easier to ride. And when he's not sound and happy, he's, you just leave him in the stall or leave him at home. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he, he has a really bad club foot. He has a real bad low heel on the other foot and we have x-rays and Jason keeps him, you know, shod the best he can, and we, uh he actually, I called the race trainer that trained him before I purchased him, and he said, that horse was put to sleep as a two-year-old, and I said, no, I said, I'm standing here holding him. Well, he slide fractured his knee at the racetrack, and they didn't put him down.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So, he really shouldn't be here. So he's here. That'll
1: give you chills.
2: (laughs) He's here, he's sound, his knee doesn't bother him. We x-ray it from time to time just to kind of make sure everything's good in there, but you can't really even see. Um, And the little, he got to playing in the paddock right before we went to the American and (laughs) ran into the fence and hurt his shoulder. And I was worried about, so we had to x-ray the knee again and the knee was fine, but he was acting like a two year old. (laughs) So, But so two years ago, Greg, the guy, the gentleman that raised Gimme the Money, called me and, um, well, actually I reached out to him because I had heard that he had a Fury out of Gimme the Money's mom and a, I was told, an epic leader out of Jay Rye's mom, which, special Phoebe, like Phoebe, um, you know, that I love that family, so when I called, he said, no, I have a traffic guy, Philly, and a Fury, and he priced me the two and I talked about it, and decided not to do it within a year later, he called, sold me both brood mares, both babies by their side, which were furies at the time, a fury a Mas- dash master Jess out of de and a um a traffic the traffic guy so there were um three yearlings, two brood mares, and two babies. so now I have the family, oh geez.
1: You ended up with all of them.
2: Yes, so I ended up with the mom and with the three the the yearlings at the time are now three year olds and we're starting them. So I have Master of the Money and I have um, Fury of the Money, which are three year olds.
1: Oh wow, that's gonna be exciting for yeah. you! Think any of them might be in the running for the slot races next year or the BFA? It's too race? early for now. Yeah,
2: it it and really they're um, both of them are a little immature, so they may even be something I hold to fives, but mm-hmm. we'll know more about September. But it's, we're, we're 30 days into their training, so we're not sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're still trying to lope the pattern. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and talk about that because I know you don't randomly pick which one gets to go to the slot race. <laughs>
2: No, what we do is, like I said, we started nine three-year-olds, so it has to be a Mm three-year-old. So um, the four-year-olds are out of question. So the three-year-olds, we started now, and I'll haul them and exhibition them from now till September. And most time by September, I pick the one, not necessarily always the fastest one, but the one that seems to be the most mature, the one that's not going to go in there and look at a banner, or the one that's not going to go in there and maybe blow by the first barrel, or maybe run over the second, it's gonna be the one that's the most consistent in the pattern um, is the one that I always pick. So um, normally by the end of the year, it's, it's pretty simple of which one's kind of creamed at to the top and which one has, you know, been the most mature. So we'll see.
1: And you've had a lot of great horses in your career. You've had a long career so far. How, what do you think separates those really great special horses from the good horses?
2: I think just like gunner i mean he's a happy horse he he likes his job i think a a a great horse they they try to do even when they're sore Um, it's just like i talked a little bit earlier Um, gunner has been he actually got hurt um, right after he won the slot race and that's one reason you haven't seen much of him and it took me a couple races to realize that he wasn't being an immature brat and he wasn't making mistakes just because he really was hurt. And I I think a, a good team of vets, you know, helps keep those great horses, great horses. And when a great horse quits doing his job, it's not because a great horse is trying to not do his job. I think it's trying to tell you something. And I think that's where I, the experience, I look back and I'm like, that horse quit doing his job had i known what was had i had the team of, of people that i have now could we have fixed that horse or saved that horse's career and i think um i think a great horse is just i don't i can't explain it they're they're just it's a different animal they're fun to ride they're 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 just enjoyable um though they, they like we go long trot through the woods and they're they're happy they're happy whatever you want to go do that they're happy with it um but their business when they get in the arena their business they don't try to not do their job
1: and then um the I'm gunning for you, gunner horse, I just got to watch you guys win both rounds of the Fraturity here at the Panty Raid and the Average this weekend, and you're right, he's so much fun to be around. I think he really enjoys the spotlight.
2: <laughs> yes, well, we actually found a, um, it's a water jug, it's a gallon jug, and we tied it in a stall, and I walked in at 6 o'clock this morning to feed, and he was playing with it. <laughs> he was, I mean, he's just, he's a busybody. He he won't st- to be doing something. He's not one that's gonna stand around. And just like when you were interviewing us the other day, he was trying to bite the, or put his nose on the microphone. And Jason was looking at his phone just a few minutes ago and he was trying to look at Jason's phone with him. Um, he he wants to be in your business so he he has quite a personality where give me the money is a little more standoffish he's gotten a little better you know, a few treats here and there sure has made him a little different <laughs> but he, you know he's not one that's gonna walk up to you and want to be petted um, if you pet him it's okay but if you don't pet him it's okay too so they, they do have totally different personalities when it comes to you know who's in your pocket who's not in your pocket but um, it's just the difference in the horses and now after having we call give me the money trouble he came with that nickname and I tried to change it to money and he ended up costing me a bunch of money that year with vet bills and stuff and I was like we're gonna change it back to trouble (laughs) so um, trouble is a lot like his mom his mom is she's a ex-race horse that's a daughter of Mr. Eye opener and looks nothing like him she's a sorrel with a coon tail and when I saw her the first time I was like wow not exactly what I was expecting. to <laughs> You <see>. made that? <laughs> exactly. I was like, hmm. So, but she's, she's a little more standoffish. She, if you pet her, that's fine. If you don't pet her, that's fine, too. But, uh, so, and she actually just foaled a roar, which is a son of Trace Ace. So, we got a little stud colt that was just born, I guess, a couple of weeks ago.
1: Awesome. So, and, you know, I think, like you said, with their personalities and Gunner being so much fun and always having to do something, I think people sometimes forget that their horses, and especially these younger ones, they're babies, and they're still animals. They like to play. They like to do their thing, even if they're champions.
2: Right, and I think the thing that, you know, my horses, they, they still get treated like horses. They still get to go outside during the day and get dirty, um, and, you know, they, they're, they're meant to be, you know, horses. So I don't necessarily... Um, some of them get paired up and go out together, kind of once they get a career, I'm careful of who goes out with who. Um, like Gunner is out with my Runaway Fury horse that was a Derby horse a couple years ago. Um, they go out together. If, if they go out with anybody, they go out together. Um, Trouble has a 28-year-old mini mule that he goes out with because <laughs> Trouble is... A little bit on the mean side and not, not that he would like hurt anything but I'm scared if he got to picking and playing that whatever he was out with would hurt him so it's funny um, when we put the mule in at night they kind of go on opposite ends of the barn and every now and then she'll holler and he'll look up and look for her like where'd she go but um, so she is she is his babysitter and she gets prevacox every day because she is cripple, crippled crippled <laughs> poor thing so I don't know what I'm gonna do when when I have to put her down. I guess we'll have to get him another mini mule. <laughs> oh, <geez.
1: laughs>
2: but she serves her purpose and babysits him. So,
1: <laughs> um, All right, so, you know, with the career that you've had, all the horses that you've ridden, if you were going to go back when you first started, mm-hmm. with everything you know now, what are kind of those top lessons you would tell your younger self? Oh, my gosh. With with barrel racing. We won't get too into life yes. here. Yeah.
2: Oh, no, no, not in life. <laughs> but, uh, the things that... It's the things that you learn. It, it's, it's like I have a team of vets that I go to, and like one vet specializes in acupuncture. And I've used her for years now. And then I have the chiropractors, and I have, like I said, a team of vets from, from Texas to Oklahoma to Kentucky. And sometimes it's just a phone call away. But knowing your horses, I mean, I remember looking back. I had an own son of special effort, and had I just listened to him just a little bit, he probably would have been so much nicer. I, I think it's it's the the vet work that that helps you and have a. And I'm not saying you just take them to a vet and it fixes them. I'm saying have a vet that you use on a regular basis. And like my three year olds come about probably August to September sometimes we just, okay, I pick, say, okay, these these three are going to be the ones that I'm going to haul. We're going to the vet just to give them a baseline. I hope there's nothing wrong with them, but we're going to flex them up. We're going to look at them. We're going to watch how they move. And then when things do start going wrong, my vet knows what they were supposed to look like. And of course, his first question, you got x-rays and most time I don't I'm like well if you need them get them <laughs> but no I don't have the x-rays you know but have a baseline um I think having that baseline um and a good vet and a good team to work with is is you know and sometimes it's having an eye sometimes it's just I go get Jason and I'm like I need you to watch this horse I, I can feel it but I struggle sometimes seeing it especially if. Like, I feel things that are so minute, I mean so minute, um, on their back, but I can't necessarily see it. Jason can see it, and that helps. And especially if we put them on my asphalt hallway and I jog them down through there, he can see things, and he's like, well, I think it's here, I think it's there. You know, normally we can get it down to what quarter of the horse, whether it be a front leg, hind leg, right or left, and then I go to the vet and I'm like, okay, you figure it out. I brought this to you, and now you figure out what's what's really going on. So I, I think I think horses, if we sit down, they really do talk to us. If we sit down and, and know how to listen.
1: Mm-hmm. I know you and I have talked about this before, but it's if somebody's looking to purchase a colt to take to juvenile charity derby, whatever it may be, or even just a personal horse what are the main things you look for you know because I think with the incentives and stuff now everybody wants an incentive horse everybody wants those fancy bloodlines right what would you tell those people looking for their right horse
2: well the right horse for the right person and the right horse for me mm-hmm. and that's that's a nice thing is you know and I, this is what I tell everybody that buys a horse for me if you keep its mind it's a marketable animal mm-hmm. and if you buy a colt and it becomes a 3d horse but it's got a mind there's some kid, some lady, some gentleman that doesn't want to go win the 1D that needs a nice 3D horse that needs that horse. So when, when, I, when people call and they're looking for a specific horse, my first question is, okay, where do you want to go compete? If you're going to stay local, don't pay the price for the incentive horses and then have to spend the money to keep those incentive horses in those incentives. If you're looking to stay local, go have fun at the horse shows, go find a nice bred horse with a mind. If you have a mind, it can do anything. It can be a trail horse if if it doesn't make a barrel horse, but it's a marketable asset that you can resell and buy something else. And that's what I've, you know, When my mom decided she was gonna start running barrels, we went out and I found a a nice, I think she was a four-year-old gray mare that was just barely started on the barrels and she suited my mom. Well, then something happened and we ended up losing her. And then it was time, mom was like, now what am I gonna do? And I said, well, I have a nice three-year-old and mom's going, three-year-old, oh my gosh. I'm going, (laughs) but he's good-minded. He's probably, he had a little bit of issues with his, his, his front end was a little crooked, and I said, I don't know that he'll hold up under the pressure. I want to put him under, but he'll be just fine for you. And he's he's retired at 19 now. <laughs> he qualified her for the MVHA World Show as a 3-year-old. But I said, Mom, he's you know, I think he qualified under 4-D, but he was a 3-year-old that just took care of her. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the main thing is you want to find a horse that has a mind, and then you got to decide what direction you want to go in. Now, if you want to go haul and you you want to go out west and you want to go to all the incentive stuff, then buy the incentive horses. But I don't think you have to have the incentive horses to to go win on Mm -hmm. locally. The horses that – and I think I'm happy for the incentives. I think the incentives are great in some aspects. But I think where years ago I've bought stuff that wasn't incentives and tried it, now I'm not as likely to try it, which I have have probably three or four in the barn that are non-incentives. And, you know, we've we're started them. And if they make barrel horses, then they'll be on the trailer next year. They just won't get to go to the incentive races.
1: Awesome. All right, so we're in Springfield, Ohio, right now. Um, but you've got to get on the road to go back home. So where are we going to see you next? And what are you excited about for your lineup of horses this year?
2: Well, we're headed to the Ruby Buckle next in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And then after that, I know we'll head to Fort Smith. Uh, there's a few shows in between that I'm not quite sure about yet. Um, we're, you know, trying to get Gunner leg, well, he's leg back up, but wasn't quite sure how this weekend was going to go, so um, was real careful where I entered him and where I didn't enter him. So trying to make sure he's sound and everything's and he's happy. So he seems happy and he seems good. So he looked great this weekend. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. So we're headed to the Ruby Buckle at Guthrie and hopefully he'll do well out there and then on to Fort Smith and um, of course. We've got him entered at the pink buckle and um, of course back to the bfa for the maturity out there so Um, and then we're somewhere in there got to get all of our three-year-olds going and exhibitioned and excited about that group
1: well awesome thank you so much leslie is there anything else you want to add today or just ready to get on the road (laughs)
2: well yeah we probably need to get on the road but i do want to thank my sponsors classic equine cox vet lab classic provides all the boots and all the neat stuff um, and i appreciate them and then cox Um, Helps me with all the products and keeping my horses healthy and happy.
1: All right, I'll let you get on the road. Thanks so much again, Leslie.
2: Thank you.
0: As always, thanks for tuning in and bearing with us through the ups and downs that is the World of Podcast. Big thank you to our guest, Leslie Willis, for spending some time with our special host, Casey Allen. Be sure to check out the Breakaway Breakdown and all of Equine Network's great content. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Magic Cushion, at absorbine.com, A-B-S-O-R-B-I-N-E.com and see what they can do for your horse's hoof. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.